I'm Dan Hilton, frontman for indie rock band Southern Resident Killer Whales. And I am Josh Dye with the Convene Training and Resilience Community, and welcome back to Timberwolves Tip to Tap, a podcast for those who love the Minnesota Timberwolves and craft beer. In this episode, we're coming back after a bit of an off-season hiatus and very excited to introduce the first in our Timberwolves Sympathizer series. Let me explain very briefly what this means. Dan, we bring in a guest, a knowledgeable, objective outsider, giving us their view of things beyond the echo chamber of Wolves Twitter or those who are stuck in local Timberwolves media talk. And so we're bringing an outsider to give us a, where are we crazy or what are we missing? Or <laughs> what does somebody who isn't living and dying Timberwolves, how do they view the team, the fan base and the issues that we're facing? That's exactly right. And the, the guest that we have this time is my longtime friend, Pat Mixdorf, also co-host of the sort of erstwhile uh, first team all nonsense podcast and Pat is kind of uniquely positioned to give this sort of insight, um, partly because he's he's an NBA fan. He's a knowledgeable guy, one of the smartest guys I know, but also um, kind of by virtue of us having had a podcast where mm -hmm. I am talking Minnesota Timberwolves. He's talking Boston Celtics. We have another co-host talking Indiana Pacers. He's had a bit of insight there. And when we started a Twitter account for that podcast, I was originally the one managing it. And so I went through and had all these Timberwolves follows. And I think a lot of those, he probably got fed up on some of them, but a lot of, a lot of them, I imagine sort of hung on as a legacy thing. So he's continuing to see the Timberwolves echo chamber, but more from an outside perspective. I imagine he is somewhat sympathetic to the team just because partly because there's a lot to be sympathetic to but also just having associated kind of through the years. But that's why I'm interested to see what his perspective is here. And he usually, I'm really setting you up, Mixdorf, but you tend to articulate things fairly well about your thoughts on such things. Let's so, hear uh, from this genius. Let's hear yeah, like, from this genius <laughs> wow. that we've invited today. <laughs> tell me, tell me actually, Mixdorf, how would you describe your knowledge and or sympathies of the team well, first of all, that was quite an introduction. I don't know if I'll live up to that, but I'll do my best. How would I describe my knowledge of the Timberwolves? I would describe it as probably better than 90% of NBA fans in general, and probably better than at least 50% of national NBA media. Um, I thought you were going to say better than 50% of delusional Timberwolves fans. Well, honest to God, I probably do have a better sense than a fair amount of Timberwolf fans too, but... Uh, I keep track of what's going on with the Timberwolves, partially through what uh, Dan said about the Twitter account. Um, I'm sympathetic to the Wolves for sure. How would you describe that level of sympathy? What? How, how much does your sympathy bleed, Pat? So I want the Wolves to do well, or at least well enough to be considered a normal NBA franchise with all the normal range of possible outcomes. I'd prefer. Wish in one hand and shit in the other, Mr. <laughs> <laughs> there are only a handful of franchises for whom I wish nothing but ill. Um, and the, the Timberwolves are definitely not one of those. I have, obviously, for my friendship with Dan and our, our other 
co-host, uh, Pat Gibbons, who used to be a Timberwolves fan and probably shares most of my sympathies. Uh, I want good things for the Timberwolves. Um, I think starting with a normal range of outcomes is probably the, the place to start, though. Well, how about the those teams for which you harbor nothing but ill will? <laughs> Oh boy. So I'm definitely uh, not a Lakers fan, although I grew up one. I was a Lakers fan through the 70s and 80s. But no, I don't want anything good to happen to the Lakers. Um, I, having been in the Eastern, uh, rooting for an Eastern Conference team for a long time now, uh, I've developed a real hatred for the Heat. that's a, this, you're all good. you're tracking with us here in Timberwolves right. Nation. <laughs> uh, I don't. I probably have, have less hate than you do for Philly, but uh, I don't love Philly. I like the Knicks better when they were bad uh, last mm-hmm. year. I think we all learned what it meant to have a quote unquote good Knicks team back again. They immediately <laughs> become insufferable. <laughs> um, so I could deal with uh, them returning back to some lower state of being um golden state i don't love just because of all the years of hype although i think they're reaping a little bit of the consequences of their light years ahead nonsense um yeah those are probably the it's really the heat and the lakers is probably really my truly hated teams all right well, that that pretty much checks out here. That's that's a admit passive admission to most Timberwolves discussions. Um, so, so here's here's the real important question: What are your NBA, <laughs> NBA skills? So, you you still like me still play basketball regularly at you know <laughs> an age where many do not. <laughs> And, uh, you know, so as you come up through the years of playing playground ball, you're like, oh, I'm so, you know, like your NBA comp. And so like, what, what do you do best on, on an NBA court? Not on an NBA court. You do nothing well on an NBA court. What do you do well amongst your other hacks? And in fact, I prefer not to play on a full-size court at all because I get very tired. Um, So I would describe myself as an okay shooter, solid rebounder, decent passer. I've got an okay feel for the game, as they described. Uh, I would say I'm, I don't have much of a handle. I have a pretty limited range. No one's going to find me shooting NBA level three pointers. And I probably have a medium to low motor. (laughs) 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 So I'm not getting after it most of the time. I'll, I'll get after it when it counts, but I'm not one of those guys that's busted down the walls at the beginning of the game. So I was going to say that you're like one of those guys and maybe it's not fair because you're demographic, but they like, they're going to say that your, your, your comps are all Europeans. <laughs> that's that's but, a fair, but fair you take. can't, but you're saying that your, your range is a little, little limited. Yeah. So you're, yeah. I'm, I'm not a flopper either. Yeah. We want to pull in all the stereotypes. <laughs> well, yeah. In order to flop, you must be willing to sacrifice your bodies. <laughs> so, all I right. That's true. All right, thanks for uh, answering that in in good uh, good faith and good humor. Well, of course. <laughs> well, let's in fact, talk. Our basketball some... league starts tomorrow. We haven't played oh. basketball in like twenty months. Oh, nice. Uh, you guys and some people who follow our Twitter know that I have an annual one-on-one basketball road trip with my brother, 
this summer I jammed my finger and I've had many times where I dislocate my finger and you just sort of pop it back in and it's really sore for like a week or two and then fine. Well, this time it wasn't dislocated, but it got really, really swollen. And I continue to play like five more games with like various levels of taping. And then the final day I could only shoot left-handed and that I don't know if what how much that played into this, but I ended up having to see a doctor about three weeks ago because it was not getting better and it still really hurts when I bend. I was worried that there was like a fracture and I started structure's fine, but apparently I just really ripped the ligaments in my, my finger. So it's just a while to heal. And every time it hurts, he said, You're making it worse again. So if I'm not buddy taping it, I'm not getting better. So those things, man, they continue. So I'm, I'm missing my fall league that normally plays. So this is fascinating to the people listening to this podcast, but uh, Josh, move us along here. Yeah. Let's get into the, what are you thinking? I mean, what are you drinking segment uh, slightly different approach compared to previous episodes. Rather than a deep dive on a single brewery, we're just going to share something we are either drinking now or have experienced recently that we liked. Dan, why don't you go first? What are what are you drinking? Well, let me start by saying that I'm in a perfect setting here. So I've managed to, to hardwire my computer so I have a constant internet signal. But I'm out here on my deck. Beautiful, like 70 degrees and sunny. And um, I have a couple beers and a little cooler here that I plan to go through during the episode today. <laughs> Both of them are from Insight Brewing, which we did have as a feature um, last spring. I'm starting with the Trollway India Pale Ale. As Josh and I have talked, we've kind of like come back a little bit from the haze craze and are both just sort of really appreciating more. I don't want to say traditional IPAs, but the sort of world class, like newish IPAs that are more like, you know, mosaic hops or citra hops or whatever, but just a good, well-balanced, malty, crisp IPA and, and Trollway is one of those. And in fact, it's one of those that come in a 12, even though it's a local brewery here in Minneapolis, St. Paul, you can find in a lot of liquor, liquor stores as a 12 pack, which is always a huge plus for me because I don't always need to buy a four pack of tall boys that like, I don't necessarily need a beer and a half every single day is probably but definitely a, a beer and a half every single episode. Well, so. today I'm going to have two, two and a half, I guess, because I got a tall boy also, but so yeah, I'm, I'm drinking some insight today, Josh. So Dan, about a week ago, I went to the hoppiest place on earth. <laughs> Not saying Hoppy, what is the Zach hoppiest? Levine's house? <laughs> I wish it, it actually was Indeed Brewing. Indeed Brewing has a setup now at just an enormous patio that they call Beerland. And Beerland is the hoppiest place on earth. They converted what used to be their parking lot into this fantastic outdoor patio right along the train tracks. And they've made it an excellent outdoor. Uh, beer drinking experience. And so I enjoyed that a week ago. So if people haven't been out to Indeed since Beerland has been in play, I highly recommend that they do that. And how is it, how is it different than, cause I was there as part of our uh, 
bike and beer tour <laughs> that I was involved in about a month and a half ago. Probably uh, the same. Probably okay. the same. It's been a pretty cool patio for a while. I just didn't know if they enhanced it beyond that. So yeah, I think they just branded it to beer land. <laughs> hey, well, that's something. So Mark, <laughs> no, they, they they went the the marketing angle, but yeah, nice. I was out. I was there on a beautiful night, so it was it awesome. was just uh, an enjoyable experience for me. And I'm trying to look up the uh, the beer that I had so I can tell you about it a little bit. But it was the uh, they have the LSD beer. Mm that uh, I recommend and I will, yeah, here we go. Lavender, sunflower, honey, and dates is what the LSD beer stands for. And it has that, all of those types of flavors are present in the beer and I enjoy it on a, on a warm evening. So Mixdorf, what have you been drinking lately? So just in service of a joke, I'm uh, going to give blood here in a little over an hour, so I'm not drinking as we speak. So I think that means I'm just giving you the tip. Uh, <laughs> so nutty. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure what kind of whether how far this podcast goes with that sort of childish humor, but that's fine. <laughs> that's what I've got. So, and and there are some that might say like pretending that you're going to give blood in order to make our listeners <laughs> think you're really an awesome guy is like uh, a little far, but you know, no, and in uh, fact, you did have that scheduled I when do. we, uh, yeah. When we contacted you about this, had we recorded but, in the evening, you probably could have done the beer, but what have you been drinking lately? Mixdorf? That's what I want to know. What's a, what's a beer that's been in your oh. fridge late or one that you've enjoyed out and about yeah i think the the thing that's in my fridge right now i got a mix pack from uh woodstock brewing which is a brewery in vermont uh i believe fair to mention you live in massachusetts Massachusetts, about 45 minutes or so from boston like on the new hampshire massachusetts border so so uh this this mix pack that i've got from woodstock has got a bunch of fall-ish beers um so there's one that's sort of it's uh an ale with apple and cinnamon flavors into it which is it's fine i mean it's it's kind of desserty seeming um there is a haze in that pack as well there's another straight up pale ale and then the fourth flavor i'm not remembering off the top of my head i'm pretty sort of game for anything beer wise so i try to get I'm more likely to enjoy a variety pack than like a 12 pack of just one kind of beer. Cause I get sort of bored. Um, so I, I switch it up all the time. So if somebody was in your area, uh, traveling to your area and would you recommend they grab some Woodstock beer or. Yeah, it's solid. Um, I think they're, if they were coming here, it would be better if they, I could, there's some very specialty brewery sort of places that would be more highly recommended there's a a, a one in boston called trillium that does some really really wild stuff i don't even know if they sell it for purchase in stores i think you just have to go to their to their to their various venues Uh, but yeah there are some some really interesting beers that you can track down if you're if you're out this way yeah, I'm just thinking for when the Wolves uh, play the Celtics in the NBA Finals next year, where we might go drink. So 
Sure. Uh, with that, with that, Dan, I think it's time for the uh, Timberwolves segments. Yeah. And, you know, Dan, can you just give us, before we get into our first segment on hot or cold, what's happened in Timberwolves news over the past two weeks? Can you just set the context for us uh, a It's moment? almost making it sound like we recorded an episode two weeks ago, but in fact, the last one we did was at Forgotten Star and probably in June. So I'm trying to think, what had, had the Ricky Rubio trade even been consummated at that point? I'm thinking maybe not. We had already lost our draft pick, but uh, I think any off-season moves that we had, signings and so on, has all happened after that point, obviously. Um, if you're listening back to this like three years later, we're a few, <laughs> couple weeks out from the Gerson Rosas uh, firing, which came as a complete shock. But the more we go into it, the more seemingly justified it was. And in fact, um, as Dane Moore continually reports, like players really don't care. <laughs> it's more something that, you know, other people can hem and haw over. Um, and yeah, so People are getting excited. Beverly signing fairly recently. Some of the players, young players that we liked last year, have been locked up in contracts, and we're still waiting to see how the whole Ben Simmons thing plays out. But the season is beginning. The Wolves are 100% healthy, knock on wood, and um, and the first preseason game is tonight. So we'll have that or our belt by the time most people listen to this cast. Is that what you're looking for? That's exactly what I was looking for just to get us ready now for the first segment of Hot or Cold. So on a scale of zero to 10, Mixdorf, I want to know from you, what should the overall excitement level be about the Timberwolves at this point? Because Josh and I are scale. usually like eight and nine. So. <laughs> Well, I mean, basketball's starting back up, so you are you should be at a 10 for sure. Um, <laughs> but I think really uh, how many of these questions or thoughts about the Timberwolves come down as an expectations versus results situation, which has been problematic over the course of its existence. <laughs> um, so purely as an outsider, I would say that I would be at about a 7 and I would say that Minnesota has a lot of fun pieces, but uh, has a bunch of questions to answer as well to uh, to prove out whether that excitement is justified. What, what would you say? So you would, would you say that that seven is this? The Wolves fan should be more excited than a typical year, or should everybody go into a season a little little up about their squad? And this is no different. I think relative to recent seasons, um, so that initial the Jimmy Butler year, there was good reason to be excited. Um, Not was, by this point. Well. <laughs> if you would have been entering at the same time, he was, but we had gone to the playoff. Oh, you mean yeah. the year. The initial one. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And then, so if that's like the high bar from, Timberwolves excitement for say I don't know 15 years or whatever it's been since KG left um, I think this year should be more exciting I think the fact that your coach has been there um, for 
through a whole off season. They've had a full training camp. All of your players seem to be healthy. Um, you've got some questions about power forward and some lineup things, but almost everybody has those. Uh, I think uh, everybody seems to be in a good place. Um, you're in a good situation. It feels like ownership wise or transitioning to a good situation. Nobody really knows for sure, but it certainly couldn't be worse than the previous ownership situation. So it seems like it's got to be a plus. So all things considered, I think people should be more excited about this year. But again, it's a well later conversation in this podcast. I think we'll get down to what that really means. Yeah. I want Nick Storff's opinion on two players. Nick Storff, what are your thoughts on Anthony Edwards? Super exciting. Um, seems like has a very high ceiling. Um, again, he's well, he's starting his second year in the league, so temper expectations uh, reasonably based on that fact. But no. it seems like a super high ceiling. <laughs> That's no deal, Josh. <laughs> and he, he brings an enormous amount of joy to watching and being part of the NBA. So that's a huge win. Um, He's like the sort of the anti-Jimmy Butler. That's not quite right because Jimmy Butler isn't necessarily negative, but he's just so (laughs) unpleasant. You need somebody that brings nothing (laughs) skill-wise and is unhappy like Alexi Shved. (laughs) Is the anti- Right, or sad Jeff Teague. Yeah. All right, Mixdorf. The next player I want your thoughts on is Jaden McDaniels. Oh boy! Oh, this is this is good because there's a lot of talk about you know people in Timberwolves Nation are inordinately excited about this guy, but there's a perception in Timberwolves world that he is like just off the radar in the rest of the league. You're obviously you have a foot in each world. Yeah, I think. He's certainly off the radar for whatever, 90% of the NBA. Um, There are guys I've heard in various NBA podcasts over the summer where they talked about various teams, his name come up. So he's not off the radar of every national NBA person. But he's he plays for the Timberwolves. The Timberwolves were bad last year. Inevitably, that sort of stuff happens. Based on what I saw last year, he also seems like he's got a pretty exciting upside um obviously an energy guy um sort of rare for the Timberwolves seems to be headed wait, towards wait, being I, a just, solid defender I'm not trying to throw you under the bus cuz you've already exhibited a, a not not to throw you under the bus but I'm not trying to like this isn't trying to be a trap thing but you have already exhibited a tremendous amount of knowledge about the Timberwolves for a guy who's not ostensibly a Timberwolves fan so my question is what what do you mean by energy guy for Jaden McDaniels. He, he's a guy that seems like when he comes in the game, he plays very hard. Um, he He's young. So, I mean, inevitably he does some dumb things, but I think giving effort um, and giving effort in ways that maybe some of the other Timberwolves stars don't give, like he's, he's providing the sorts of in, things that uh, D'Lo doesn't necessarily do. Cat's not a high energy guy. Neither of those guys are quote-unquote high-energy guys. They're incredibly good basketball players. But you can make up for a lot if you're a, sort of a young guy or whatever by just playing hard all the time. I would and I would submit that, that Cat is a pretty high-energy guy, but that he's got some pretty in, inefficient... <laughs> 
uh, outlets for his energy at times. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, so my, my final Jamie McDaniels question, McStorf, is around if you heard that the Timberwolves included Jade McDaniels in a package for, say, Ben Simmons, would you be like, oh, God, no. So the Ben Simmons thing is really like a, is a sort of a litmus test on on Ben Simmons ultimately. Um, I would not trade much of anything for Ben Simmons because I think his problems are not are fixable if he had any interest in fixing them. They're not necess- they're not basketball related. He has uh, for a while, he has psychological issues to overcome. He also doesn't seem to be motivated in order enough to make himself better at basketball during off seasons. I mean, he's been in the league for five years and he literally is exactly the same amount of good at everything that he came into the league at being. He might be a slightly more uh, effective defender, but in terms of his offensive skills, he hasn't improved a single thing. I mean, that terrifies me as a basketball fan. There are those that would say that if nothing changed, he's, you know, like currently a top 20 player because of his, you know, obviously he's not shooting and his, (laughs) it's a big part of the game, but yet his on off numbers and his overall impact on the game, the way he influences things that, you know, you say like, I'd be terrified because he's not going to grow, but what if he doesn't grow? Isn't the current player, could there be a reasonable argument that the current player is impactful enough that that doesn't matter? It's, I guess you can put it that way. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't essentially, I, I wouldn't trade much for him simply because if your, if your job is to play basketball and we've seen this, like almost every meaningful player in the league figures out new things to add to their game during off seasons, they, they assess their weaknesses. They try to, to decrease the, their weaknesses, they try to improve their strengths, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. If he's a guy who's being paid millions of dollars just to play basketball and can't find the motivation or willingness to improve on things, what it makes me wonder, and what I think is tied into what seems to be his biggest flaw, is he seems unwilling to fail. Um, mm. like the, the shot that's so controversial that ended their season essentially last year where he wouldn't dunk or shoot the shot and he passed to a guy that had a much harder shot. I mean, he's just, his psycholo- psychology seems to be such that he doesn't want to look bad in front of people. Ironically, he ended up looking like a total dingus as a result of that play, and everybody is down on him as a, as a consequence. But I think it would scare me to spend that much money on a guy with his psychological seeming psychological makeup i'm hardly a a psychologist or a psychiatrist here so i'm playing armchair versions of that would you say that he needs to fail more fearlessly (laughs) for sure okay one could say that (laughs) okay um (laughs) that's interesting because i think about like people not working so there's a whole laundry list of big men from the past in the NBA that never 
seem to care to work on free throws in the off season, or maybe they did and nothing was to be done, but that where that didn't ultimately necessarily mean that you didn't want them leading your team or so, so that could be a pushback against that. Maybe you say, say that his limitation is more of a comprehensive part of his offensive package. And I think that would be fair. But it's weird, though, because the thing about that particular example, I've always thought that the reason that big men are bad at free throws is because their sort of fine motor skills are <laughs> are hampered by their size. It's the guard like if problem. You, if you had giant meat, like, yeah. like just insane hands, it would be hard to shoot delicately at a free throw. I don't think Ben Simmons, I think his fine motor skills are. Mm. perfectly good so. i think about someone like josh akogi though i don't i i bet he's working his ass off in the off season and he's gonna shoot 28 percent from three again <laughs> we all know it <laughs> we all wish it wasn't so but it's true so yeah it's it, it is a little hard to say what he has been working on or maybe he's working on it relentlessly and like you said it's in his head and he starts the season and it's just like what happened and Yes. Yeah. This is a nice uh, segue, a natural segue into our next segment, Dan. I, in terms of calm down, everybody, where what are Wolves fans most deluding themselves about and why? I get the sense that Mixdorf is thinking that we are deluding ourselves about the positive impact that Ben Simmons could have on our team, especially if we traded nearly anybody of value versus just, say, maybe draft picks. Is that? a fair uh, summary of your thoughts on that Mixdorf that because I originally posed the question of if you heard Jaden McDaniels was included in a package for Ben Simmons and you just went on a Ben Simmons is terrible rant. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, So yeah, there's, there's a fair amount of excitement among Wolves fans, me included about, the possibility of having Ben Simmons on our team. I don't want to give up my, I don't want to actually give up D'Lo nor, uh, but I, I would, I would have no problem if Jaden McDaniels was included in a package that brought him here. And I think it would make a big difference. So I, it's a relative thing. Ultimately. I mean, the Timberwolves have been bad. Um, and so Ben oh, Simmons. Wait, 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 make... wait. I want to contend that point. <laughs> ben Simmons would make the Timberwolves better. So what do you think they would be a say a 33 win team if uh actually no, this is actually a, this is actually a really good question. Do you think Ben Simmons would if if it was D for Ben Simmons straight up? I want to know where you really land on Ben Simmons. I think that would be, I think that potentially, well, I don't, it depends a little bit on, on what Ant brings to the table this year, whether his end of last season is a, a sort of a trajectory for him going forward or whether that was a bit of an outlier. Because I think one of the things, Ben Simmons' biggest fault is he's, he can't create his own shot at the end of games. I think Delo's primary skill is that. Um, so swapping those two, again, the Timberwolves should strive to whatever, 
be 500, have a winning record, be close to a winning record. They're not they're not worried about whether they're getting the four seed versus the eight seed. They'd like to get any seed possible. So I think in the regular season, uh, Ben Simmons would raise the ceiling of the Timberwolves fairly substantially if you swapped him for D'Lo. Because all of the things that D'Lo is bad at, generally speaking, defense primarily, um, Ben Simmons is good at. And Ben Simmons is definitely as good of a passer as as D'Lo is. So I think that would be I don't know if I don't know if Timberwolves fans are deluding themselves because I'm not exactly sure what Timberwolves expectations are uh, other than to be better. Um, if your expectations if are unreasonable, then I guess I need to know what they are first. Um, so did you in have some, some ways oh. my original thought about what they were maybe deluding themselves by is is about is how hard it is to move up in the west uh even if the the west is in sort of a down year this year and and we can get it actually we have a thing that we're going to talk about in a bit here where we actually specifically try to place the timberwolves in that standing so we'll we'll catch back on that but i think that's an interesting interesting thing to explore because i i think you can say like Hey man, you know, screw the play-in. I think we're talking play-off team, kind of forgetting that. In fact, I just forgot that when I was tweeting something to that very effect <laughs> about the fact that it isn't like play-in is through nine. Play-in is through your seventh seed. So if you're saying playoffs and no play-in, you're talking sixth seed or better, mm-hmm. and it's. It's all. It's fine to say that, like, hey, we're a, you know a team that tip that is a you know like typically a forty-seven win team gets a six seed. I think we're a forty-seven win team. We're there, but then it's like, okay, so who are you better than? Is is the great pushback on that? Josh. Let's put a pin in that for a second, Dan, and yeah, <clears throat> and what open you- up the. Uh, hold on, I got. I'm about. <laughs> I just finished off my IPA. I am about to start an insight raspberry pineapple tart wheat it's kind of like wow. a sour yeah I fa- liquor boy of course um yeah. and uh, it's a tall boy so i will be again drinking give us a first impression here on this one all right well i gotta pour it pouring it it's got actually sort of like what you'd imagine if it was like literally like sort of strawberry juice it's sort of a pink lemonade color to it and here we go It is definitely makes me think I'm drinking a sour. Um, it's got a little bit of a sort of a, um, what am I trying to say? Like almost like a champagne edge to it. Champagne sour is what I would describe this as. Tasty. And as I said, it's a beautiful day out. So it's nice and refreshing. And I will look forward to this for the rest of the episode. Insight, give us the name of the beer again. It's the uh, raspberry pineapple tart wheat. It doesn't have a, a name other than that. Great. So, Dan, what do you think the Wolves fans are most deluding themselves about? You mean Mixdorf? No, I'm asking oh, you. Oh, you're asking me, right, because he already answered that. See, I'm, mm-hmm. into my, I'm into my cups, as they say. Uh, <laughs> as they said in the 13th century. Yes. <laughs> I sometimes forget which is which. Um what I think they're most deluded about, oh boy, 
I think they're most deluded about how bad they think D'Lo is. Mm. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> what do I think we're most deluded about? Gosh. I, I you know, I'm gonna say this honestly. I I, I hate to say this because I hate to put a ceiling on it. I think this, you know, could be wrong and I feel like a traitor or whatever. But I, I think possibly presuming so everyone talks about, you know, Ant, everybody in Timberwolves world <laughs> and nobody else talks about Ant pre-All-Star break, post-All-Star break. And to be clear for anyone who's not in Timberwolves world, he was scoring under like 15 points a game on really horrid efficiency prior to the All-Star game, All-Star break. After the break, he's near Donovan Mitchell level production and efficiency, like, you know, 57% true shooting percentage on 24 points a game. It was just nuts. Couple of 40 point games in there. A lot of uh, clo- chops of a closer. Yeah. Right. Everything kind of just up like 40% on step back threes. I think presuming that there has been such a decided progression there, assuming that even that if you were to play an entire year at the offensive level, he was playing this last year that's like near all-star level and and there just may have been a number of things happening in that moment that sort of dictated that you know we hear about maybe putting a little more effort out on defense who knows what that might draw out of that if you got Beasley that takes a certain number of shots a more sort of a rotation where a number of players are sort of demanding time, demanding minutes. You got cat back up to his level of usage and all that system working. Maybe he's just not, his usage rate is back down a little bit and maybe, you know, people are keyed in. on. There really is that thing where, okay, I'm on the radar and now people are throwing something at me to stop me. And so I think, it's possible we're all sort of assuming he just keeps taking the steps up this ladder and it might not be as linear as we are assuming. But then again, it might, cause this is Ant and he can do everything. <laughs> so, no. Yeah. Which that, speaking of can do anything, let's, let's, well, no, no, how about you, uh, Josh, what do you, th- what do you think? I know you want to skate past this, but do you think <laughs> Dan, that we're yeah. deluding ourselves about something? Just Jaden McDaniels. The, um, Oh, I would say also maybe uh, Patrick Beverly's impact on our defense. Oh, you know, I, I think we've read this. So two, two, two things then. Yeah. I, uh, and this is not to be interpreted as I'm a Jaden McDaniels hater. I just think that he's like, was solid in his rookie season for a rookie, right? Like solid for a rookie, not even solid, not solid for like a veteran NBA player, but like solid for a rookie and is a nice piece to have, but I'm not like through the roof on, on him in terms of his impact in this next season. That said, I think we got him at such a bargain and he has been overlooked, but that he, he takes up too much air of conversation and bandwidth among Timberwolves nation. I think. That's every, why team you're to ship yeah. every team has those guys. Every team has those guys. Like, the Lakers turned Kyle Kuzma into like a national superstar. <laughs> Lakers are kind of in a class by themselves. Who's the guy that's doing that for uh, for the Celtics? Oh boy! Um, in various years, I mean, 
Celtics have had some weird sort of uh, almost like uh, cartoon character guys in the last few years. We had Taco Fall for a couple of years. Sadly, he plays for Cleveland now. Everybody loved Taco. Taco probably is never going to play seriously. He was entertainment. He was more for entertainment value, as you say, like more of a cartoonish shop. There was a guy named Gershon Yabusele um, that was on the team for a couple of years. It had this giant behind um, <laughs> <laughs> that we just loved. Um, so I don't know if there's there's certainly I mean there's a few guys that are like oh this this rookie whatever is going to be good but I, I don't know that we've had anything that quite reaches the Jaden McDaniel's level. Um, yeah, but Dan, on in terms of your Patrick Beverly statement, I think yeah Patrick's Patrick Beverly's impact on the floor I think is may not be come anywhere near what Timberwolves fans are hoping, but I do think that potentially his presence in the locker room and in the huddle and just that sense of like, I will punch you in the face if you do not get back on defense (laughs) kind of vibe could make a huge positive difference on this team. Like I don't care what he does on the floor. I want him like threatening players lives if they do not show adequate effort how did that work how did that work with jimmy butler (laughs) different different scenarios he's not going to try to be the alpha sure but i but i think it's fair i think it's fair to say like there has been a little bit of a track record to suggest that that is not actually not the way you push like it it, to be a, a devil's advocate there's there's some evidence to suggest that's not how you push cats buttons whether or not you're you have a Jimmy Butler personality because the Tibbs personality that wasn't the the right approach either apparently how, how do you how do you push cats buttons <laughs> you make him understand how it will favorably reflect upon him if he does x y and z i think for cat this is like opening a sort of vein here but, but i think for cat him having a sense of how something will reflect on him is his primary motivation in how he conducts himself in games on the court outside of games. And I think he's had life has thrown stuff at him where he's been forced to be a lot more introspective than he would, you know, than he was sort of on a trajectory to be otherwise, but man, beyond all that, I think that still is a, a through line for him. Mixdorf, how do you push cats buttons from the outside? Ah, oh, boy, it's really hard to know because your whole situation has been kind of a mess his entire career. There, I mean, mm-hmm. both the uh, inevitably bad owners lead to bad outcomes, and the Timberwolves—he's not actively Donald Sterling bad, like he's not a bad human being, but he's—he's he, he's, he's not—he's amazing a bad, human being, but. <laughs> Right. <laughs> He's not. <laughs> so everything stems from that. And you've had a bunch of coaches. You've had coaching tragedies, obviously all of the cat tragedies. I mean, I have no, has cat had one normal year? You had Jimmy Butler for eight months or whatever it was. Ultimately. I mean, has he had one Get that year with KG? Was that a rookie year? No, no. It, um, 
Yeah, the year with KG, his rookie year, his coach, the guy that drafted him and the, who was supposed to be his coach had just died, and it was the mm-hmm. Sam Mitchell interim. So you could say that was a normal year, but it started on a weird, weird note. And again, bad coach, probably. I mean, yeah, I don't know an that interim know coach. With the, yeah. yeah. Probably a bad coach. With some old-fashioned ideas about basketball. <laughs> Yeah, an old coach who who our view of has softened <laughs> for in the years since. He seems to have a real genuine role as an assistant coach of some sort, but his he seems to have limitations as a as a mm-hmm. effective head coach. All right, let's let's get out of this negativity for a minute and hype it up, Dan. Uh, Dan, I want you to lead off with this one. What do you think Wolves fans should legitimately be the most excited about? Uh, Especially I, after you just talked down ants, possible. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you, I should you have eliminated I, yourself from using ant uh, for this. So, other than other than contradicting yourself on ant, what should we legitimately be most excited about? I should definitely have led with Patrick Beverly's impact on defense, so I didn't have to. You know, shame <laughs> on me. <laughs> Taking shots at Ant. Um, I, I'm going to say we should legitimately be most excited about. I see if this all counts as one point, or if you have to count it a couple different points. But the content continuity slash sort of full strength, just the idea that we're able to bring everything to bear without qualification. So we have everybody healthy, off season with coach everybody on the same page, seemingly no malcontents. I'm going to wrap that all up into, if it makes sense, into one package, because sort of that whole thing with like disarray, like nothing you could, I think some people from outside might interpret the whole Rosas thing as disarray, but again, the players don't care that I, I don't think that's finding its way into training camp in any way whatsoever. So yeah, I just think sort of full strength, full health consistency of an off season is what we should be most excited about because we haven't had a chance to see what that looks like. We had guys recovering from COVID, not in training camp with their heads, not, you know, cat with an off season where he didn't even work on his game or have a chance to get in shape and then promptly broke his wrist and then got COVID, you know, there's like, that's your 23 win team in a 72 game season. But like, we're finally the proof of the pudding will be there until or unless there's like some, you know, unforeseen catastrophe. But yeah. Mixtorf, what do you think the uh, Wolves fans should be most excited about? Well, I, I, my original answer for this was Anthony Edwards um, and the general joy that he brings. Um, I do think the normalcy thing my way of putting what Dan just described is honestly, you just want to have a normal NBA season for the first time in a while um, and see what that means. Um, I think that would be a huge boon for Minnesota Timberwolves fans. Um, as soon as they're assuming they set their expectations appropriately. So I'm going to bring a controversial take to this Dan to an extent but I think Wolves fans should legitimately be most excited about, and this is other than Anthony Edwards, because I think that's been played out a little bit in this conversation. But actually, the Cat Delo pairing mm. having a having another chance to 
make that happen, to prove it, to see it as it was intended to be. And assuming that they're healthy, I think Wolves fans should be legitimately excited about what that pairing can do with the parts around it as well. Because that was in some ways the original vision that Rosas was trying to to get to, got it, and then never had the chance to see it truly play out due to injuries. And I think Wolves fans should get back to that original excitement of it because a lot of the excitement initially around that, getting rid of Wiggins, bringing in D'Lo, this fresh start, what we can do. And then people really started to not be as excited, especially about the D'Lo element of that when they were seeing how he was playing without Cat. Sure. But I, I think we should I do think we should all get back to that original excitement of Cat and Dealer are gonna play together and what can this be? I'm there. <laughs> it's worth <laughs> noting that at this point, I think they are still five hundred is the record when the two of those are on the court at the same time. And right. um, you know, I, I this is the point I've made before that that you know the one quote unquote like sort of good efficient well-rounded is all-star season in Brooklyn that D'Lo has had was the only time he's ever been in a situation where he was a component part of a functioning team as opposed to like okay you know everybody on Golden State is hurt it's your team everybody on the Wolves is hurt it's your team that is not an ideal role for D'Lo to be having to be like number one number two number three option and you know, the, the, the best role for him is to be a highly effective component piece of an overall functioning unit. So, and I cannot wait to see these rainbow threes uh, just, uh, <laughs> splashing through the, uh, splashing through the net. Mixdorf wasn't there for our discussion, in our last podcast about star defense, which is, but he sport. was listening. I'm sure he was. <laughs> oh, Hey, how's it going? Hey, I'm on the phone, guys. All right. <laughs> Next door neighbor kids that are all excited about my dog. Um, so star defense, this idea that someone like there's been lots of very effective star players, like great players in the past that are not, you know, you look at their numbers, they're not great defenders. Um but yet they kind of get it done when it counts and they have ultimate, you know, success with their team and, and so on. And my theory is that like, there is a certain craft that comes with experience in the NBA where you realize, and LeBron is a consummate example of this. Like he can make a stop when he wants to make a stop, but he usually chooses not to, because it's just not necessary for the end outcome that he's looking for. And so if you're in a team that's playing close you know, you know, you this team's this score is going to hang in the balance. Why are you going to put out 100% effort on defense in non-critical moments of the game? You're going to score when you can score. If it makes sense to pick off a pass, you'll do it. But then you can sort of turn it on in a critical moment. You're smart enough. You have long enough arms, whatever it is. And I have this theory that in a properly functioning team, a proper season, that that might be the type of player that Delo is he's always going to have negative sort of defensive box plus minus but like if you're at the end of a game and you need to make a stop he knows he knows how to rotate he knows how to make a stop he's just gonna usually not do it because it it's not critical to the the success and you can say that 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 makes you have less regard for him as a player or a human but I, I think sort of understanding what a team can accomplish <laughs> with him on it 
could take that into consideration. So I, you... I think there's something to that, but I would also say that that you're that maybe creeping up the delusion scale <laughs> <laughs> because I'm in my cups. The thing about D'Lo is that I mean there are some playing defense is we know that LeBron is smarter than anybody playing basketball. And if LeBron devoted himself entirely to playing defense, he knows how to move his body. He would get around screens. He would do all the things that you need to do. There's no evidence that D'Lo has the engagement to get through screens, for instance, which is a critical thing at his position. I think the advantage to, to Patrick Beverly being on the team this year is you can sick him on the guy who's going to be the sort of recipient of screens and Patrick Beverly will do everything possible to yeah. fight through screens because uh, and Delo can set on whoever shooting guard or whatever guy doesn't doesn't deal with that other teams are still going to put him through some sort of torture chamber because he they know he dies on screens but yeah. I'm not it's not clear to me that Delo has a fundamental understanding of intricacies of defense in a one-on-one situation i think he's potentially fine he's probably okay at health defense but i think going much beyond that is probably probably too far i think it's fair very fair to say like maybe you know there's almost no circumstance where you could get him to like slam into a guy and like get around a screen <laughs> but i think you might be underrating his understanding of the game a little like that's a thing that is he is huge for his position, which is a huge benefit. Having long arms for sure, yeah, and having uh, rooted for a team with teeny tiny point guards for like six years in a row, <laughs> you can make up for a lot of like, bad positioning by being six foot five with six foot nine wingspan. Yeah, hell yeah, Dan. I think we should now jump to the reaction to the Bleacher Report rankings, where we. Look at what they have projected for the Western Conference and and then give our reactions to this. So I'm going to give the Bleacher Report Western Conference projections. Let me just say a quick thing. I, this was just a, uh, a, a an arbitrary – it was the one I was actually looking for the win predictions from Vegas, and I was having a little trouble finding just a mm. list – I was looking for other than other places were behind paywall. So Bleacher Report, I have no particular reason I put them here other than I found them. But it I, seems to reflect kind of what you see out there. Yeah, so here we go. They have number 15, Oklahoma City, number 14, the Rockets, 13, the Spurs, 12, the Timberwolves, 11, seed the Kings, 10, the Pelicans, 9, the Grizzlies, 8, the Blazers, 7, the Clippers, 6, the Nuggets, 5, the Warriors, uh, there's a four, four of the Mavericks, three of the Suns. No, no. Well, two. they were tied actually wins. So oh, for wins. Okay. Yeah, so the Mavericks the and the Suns, Lakers uh, in the two seed and Utah with the one seed. So let me kick this off here with a, so in order to get into the play-in game, that's seed seven, eight, nine, or 10. That's the Clippers, the Blazers, the Grizzlies, and the Pelicans as they have it currently projected. Mixdorf, do you think having the Wolves 12th is how how accurate or not is that from an outsider's perspective? Behind it the Kings. Seems, behind it seems the Kings. Insane that they would be behind the Kings. I don't I don't see a world in which the Kings have more talent 
and they clearly have a worse coach. Luke Walton may be an objectively bad coach and may, in fact, be the worst coach in the NBA currently. Um, he's gotten nothing out of that roster for mm. two straight years. Mike Malone, who was like the – or Dave, Dave Yeager was the last uh, Kings coach that actually got good things out of that team, and for some reason the owner didn't like him, so they fired him. He's and gotten Walton, nothing out of uh, Buddy Heald on defense. <laughs> So I don't understand why anybody would have the Kings above the Timberwolves. The Pelicans is an interesting one because it just came out that Zion broke his foot or something early in the summer and has been basically doing nothing for the last three months, which that explains that picture of him leaving stage (laughs) after, (laughs) after press day. And I think if the, uh, if the, if Zion isn't 100% healthy, I don't think that the Pelicans are better than the Timberwolves. And then it gets more interesting. Um, the Blazers could blow up if they start the season badly and Dame decides to want to trade. Suddenly the Blazers are more like the 14 seed. What do you think about um, them with Chauncey Billups as coach? Uh, pretty skeptical of Chauncey. That cannot help. That cannot help them. <laughs> I mean, I... Dave or was Stott, Terry Stott, that's his name, um, former coach, seemed to get as much as you could out of that team. Mm-hmm. They've had some pretty bad injury luck, too, um, particularly with Nurkic. Um, but they also have been like in the running for a four, five, six seed pretty consistently for the last four or five years with Dame there. So the Grizz is interesting. They're a play hard team. Um, they seem to have a back coach seems to maximize what he gets out of his players. I think they have less overall talent than the Timberwolves too. This is the um, Grizz you're talking about? Yeah, the Grizzlies. Um, they so own the Timberwolves how things though, go. So. Um, I think realistically that the Timberwolves, like the eighth spot is probably the highest I would realistically peg them based without seeing a couple months worth of actual output. Um, I might, if you brought me back in December or something, I might have a, have been able to form a better opinion over that. But um, based on okay. what I know today, you say the wolf ceiling is the eight seed. Given that, Dan, what do you think the wolf ceiling is uh, right now? Well, so there's the ever-present danger of most hoped-for outcome versus most likely outcome. The most likely outcome is there's some unforeseen unpredicted catastrophe that hits <laughs> cat breaks his foot tonight but i mean right because it's hard to for people because i i think that you wonder like how is it possible the wolves are rated behind the kings i'll tell you how if you literally don't pay attention and you see that the kings finished ahead of the timberwolves last year and you're like fine <laughs> And that's the extent of your analysis, which might just about be it. It's hard to convey exactly how many things were going wrong at the same time for the Wolves last year that were largely out of their control. Um, Possibly from Ryan Saunders being coached to all the injuries to the COVID. And I know a lot of teams had stuff going on last year, but um, you know, if you think, Finch is like a really good long-term solution and he has an off season. There's consistency there. What's that worth? If you understand that cat was literally 25, 12 and five 
out of shape with like inconsistency and coaching and a bad plan and grieving, you know, what is him coming back in the best shape of his life and committed with the tutelage of Finch worth? What is a maximized Delo? Cause Delo hated Ryan Saunders and loves Finch. What is that? What is next year of Anthony Edwards and by all accounts, a deeper roster and all this. And like, when you put that all together, you know, what, what does that mean to a team that was when Cat and D'Lo play together is a 500 team historically? You know, you, you could imagine an everything breaks right scenario that exceeds that eight C that you're talking about. Um, I'm being hailed from across the fence by the kids who really want to get my attention. <laughs> um <laughs> and that's my dog barking because they get her going. Um, but anyway, but I'm going, I, I guess I will resist because I'll assume nothing, not everything is going to break, right? There's going to be unforeseen stuff. Of course, then you assume that like for these other teams, what unforeseen stuff happens? Luca breaks his foot. Chris Paul actually has a normal year in terms of how, um, how, in, you know, injury prone he has historically been. Dame gets, you know, disaffected and pissed off and somebody, some other team just simply doesn't play to the level you're expecting. And um, I guess here going on the record, I'm going to say that the upper end, like Mixdorf, I'm, I'm going to say where he said the upper end of possibility is like top of the play. And I'm going to say play in solid upper end of play in is the prediction with a, with understanding there's a ceiling of higher than that. So maybe yeah. you're saying like seven ish seed would be your, uh, that's funny though, that this, these rankings here have Clippers as playing. Um, yeah, I'm going to go seven. Kawhi is probably out the whole season until maybe the playoffs Gosh, Clippers. Oh, Kawhi's not. out for the Kawhi's still he's his injury is uh, that significant. Yeah. He might miss the whole year. Wow. Let's say that okay. the Wolves are upper end of play-in as a solid upper end of play-in, and if they can just – things break a little bit right for them, they can be actually in the playoffs is my my call yeah. at this point. I'm going to take a slightly different approach to this and go list the teams that I think we definitely will not have a better record than. Like just without a question in my mind, we will not have a better record than. So we will not have a better record than Utah. We will not have a better record than the Lakers, and we will not have a better record than the Nuggets. I actually feel very confident that we will not have a better record than the Utah, the Lakers, and the Nuggets. Is it uh, how a lot much longer is uh, why can't uh, Jamal Murray out? He's probably going to miss most of the season as well. They seem okay without him. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> So then that brings us to teams like the Mavericks. I could see the Mavericks uh, just, you know, being solid but not great and could be catchable, especially if they get the wrong kind of injury or if Luka misses some time, that kind of thing. Uh, the Warriors, to me, are uh, very overrated in the Bleacher Report rankings because Draymond, he's, he's old now. Curry's still excellent. Clay's coming back, but... Wiggins is going to be a drag on them just generally because that's how he functions as Their a human. futures went down when he got his shot. Yeah, exactly. I, I was like, 
And so Even he's I not think, dumb enough to give $17 million away. Yeah, I, I don't think the Warriors are issuing to be way better than us. With Kawhi out, I don't think the Clippers are issuing to be way better than us. I don't think the Blazers are issuing to be way better than us, especially with Chauncey. And, and their concept as a team just seems to be washed at this point. Or it just it's not like yeah, it's it's in a dip. They they need bigger. So I could see the upper end of this team being a four or five seed. Ooh. I think the re I think the reality is closer to McStorff's um I you know eight seed, but I, I do think that this team could be in in that five to six seed. Uh, contention or be within a couple of games of it. I think it it could be just a lot tighter in terms of the the seedings where it's not like oh there's a 10 game difference between the sixth seed and the eighth seed, but that maybe there's a two or three game difference and that like we could legitimately be um close to, close to that. I think that's possible. Am I crazy? I don't, I don't think that's crazy. I, I'll be genuinely amazed if the Lakers are the second-best team in the West by record. Yeah. They may ultimately be the second-best team in the in the West, but there's no way they're better going to be better than the Suns record-wise, I don't think. Um, I didn't mention – I didn't even mention the Suns there, partly because I realized they made the NBA Finals. I'm – I think they're more fluky. lightning. I think they're more lightning in a bottle, a little more fluky. I think they'll they'll be solid, but they're not making the NBA Finals again. No. How, how much do they fall if Chris Paul isn't stirring the drink? Is really the question. Uh, uh, less than they would have last year, I think. I think they oh, sure. develop some institutional knowledge now. Mm. I think they're they're a pretty deep team. It's um, fair, but yeah, they're gonna lose three or four wins probably. I think this this is going to be a hard year to – in even the, the Eastern Conference is pretty strong through about, I don't know, eight or nine seeds, which is something you can't always say. There's going to be a lot of nights where it's hard to get a win um, for almost any team. I don't think anybody, we're going to see anybody sniffing like 60 wins this year, I don't think. It's kind of funny. We're going to look back in Except two Brooklyn. months and this is going to be all completely <laughs> wrong. You know, there'll be just like stuff that we don't. Yeah. Hey, we got to move through this fast because Mixter's got to give his blood. Yeah. All um, right, Dan, take us into Timberwolves power rankings then. All right. So, uh, num- well, and I said honorable mentions, but really the six man is all you. But I'm going to start with uh, number five. I'm going to go with Jaden McDaniels. Uh, so, 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 just the, the Timberwolf power rankings, as you often say, are not about what who's go the ahead best and player. That. It's not about who's right. the best player. It's about who has the buzz, who has the excitement, who's taking up the, uh, <laughs> who's getting all the attention from the the Timberwolves. And as we as we mentioned earlier, Jaden McDaniels gets a lot of that. People are really excited now. There's talk of him gaining like an inch or two in the off season, so he's like plastic man out there, um, which is, you know, if he if he continues on any sort of trajectory, is pretty exciting. Um, number four, I'm going with D'Lo. I, here's where he's sneaking into this because he's not actually talked about that much, but every time his name is brought up, it seems that people are talking about him as sort of a critical, he is the bellwether. You know, if 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 D'Lo is able to blankety blank, then 
that's going to be what the success of the season hinges on. If he can commit to this, if he can, whatever, get back to the Brooklyn form, whatever it is. So I'm going with D'Lo as number four. And also I, I always give him a little bit of a boost because we are a pro D'Lo podcast. <laughs> <laughs> number three, I'm going with Cat. Cat and his shirtless ripped off season and his uh, buying in and saying all the right things like he typically does. But I think most of us are, you know, he's, as has often been said, he's aware of what has been said about him. He's aware that other people that were considered his peers at one time have sort of ascended while he's been left in the dust. And with this continuity, with everything else, you know, there, there was one time when he was considered to be all NBA talent. And is this the year where he jumps back into that discussion? All it takes is team success, as we've learned, right? Devin Booker had pretty much the same season he had each of the previous two years, but since he had a team that hit a lot of fortune in the playoffs, suddenly he jumped from 35th best player in the league to 12th best player in the league. And so all cat needs is for the team to find some success for his 26 points a game, 12 rebounds a game to actually seem to matter to people. Um, Number two, Bees? Did I put that there? <laughs> you did. <laughs> you didn't give me any edit, editing rights, so I didn't I meant, sneak that in there. Did you? Did you sneak that in there? No, I. I, I, I meant to say I think Bev. <laughs> oh, Beverly! I said bees. I mean bees. You know, he's out. He's ready to go. That's great. But <laughs> Beverly is what I meant to say. He is for sure eating up a ton of Timberwolves fandom bandwidth at the moment. And uh, I'm putting him at number two and uh, you know, Ant is sort of King of the mountain at number one till he can be, somebody has to prove they can dislodge his charisma and positivity and the excitement that he's generating. Josh, uh, give us a sixth man. Yeah, as you know, the sixth man is not always a man, Dan. Sometimes it's a concept. It's an idea. Sometimes it is an actual man or person. Uh, but today, the sixth man is over 32 and a half. Ah, so yeah. we do have a bed in in Las Vegas, placed at the Planet Hollywood Sportsbook. Uh, Timberwolves over 32 and a half wins. It's free money. I yeah. feel really good about it. Josh, free money die. <laughs> My favorite part of that bet was that you made it right before Rosas was fired. And it was just like. Yeah. You know. <laughs> it's so mixed up with on cue with his clown emoji. <laughs> I think the line actually went up after that slightly. We got in at a, at a good spot at it, 32 it and a half. from that time. Yeah. No, that was a tremendous spot. Mixed or will we win yeah. this bet? Will we win this bet? Uh, assuming normalcy, uh, probably. No. <laughs> assuming normalcy, <laughs> yeah, no. Know, know. Assuming well, normalcy. Why, would, why wouldn't we do that? Well, I don't mean normalcy, normalcy for. Well, I kind of do. If Timberwolves don't have an abjectly ca- catastrophic season, probably. Nobody ever gives us credit no for the promises. fact that that happens every year. <laughs> That's the problem. All right, Dan, get us out of here. All right. That will do it for our 16th episode of Timberwolves Tip to Tap. Uh, Follow our Twitter at Tip to Tap that you spell out the two, T-O. We're talking mostly Timberwolves there and some general NBA. 
Yeah, thanks everybody for tuning in. If you can think of anyone else who wants to join us for Timberwolf and Craft Beer Talk, please let them know about us. For Timberwolf's Tip to Tap, I'm Josh Dye. And I'm Dan Hilton. <laughs> and our guest, Pat Mixdorf. Thanks. Yeah. It was fun. Wait, wait. No, no. You got to read the little bit. I don't have that up. Sorry. What? Oh. I'll read it. <laughs> okay, this was supposed to be Mixdorf. Here it is. It, Can you ahead. believe it? The normal knock on wood NBA season is about to begin. The universe has thrown an awful lot at us over Come the past on, Josh. Lay years. into it. Make this dramatic. <laughs> Sinister forces threaten to inflame us and divide us. A stumbling democracy in a burning planet speeds toward an uncertain future like a rocket luge down Crisco Mountain. Remember to find the NBA as a refuge from the squall, a place to come together in fellowship and fun, and remember beer. The social lubricant is a sign that for all of us, that for all else and that for all its troubles, the world is still a little a worthwhile little ball of wax. <laughs> Give yourself permission to chill out with friends and just escape in your love of the game. I'm practicing you... professional novel writing. <laughs> <laughs> while you do, for God's sake, be good to each other in person and online. Be kind, be gracious, laugh and love like Anthony Edwards and Ant Junior. Go Wolves. How mixer joys with the house. Thanks, gentlemen. See you, bye. Thanks, Pat. <laughs>